Welcome to Sum It Up, an LSR7 podcast to uplift and center the stories impacting LSR7 students, staff, and its community. Today, two of our impact officers sit down to discuss their work with LSR7 students and the history of Red Ribbon Week. So it's, it's a group effort, and uh, I just want to motivate and encourage the parents to, they don't have to know all the ins and outs, but just let them know your expectations. Mm-hmm. You see it as a partnership between Absolutely. all three entities. Sure. That's right. I'm Talia Evans. I'm the Assistant Director of Public Relations. I'm Beth Glover, and I'm an impact officer with the Lee Summit Police Department. I'm Larry Jones. I'm also an impact officer with the Lee Summit Police Department. Thank you for joining me today. Um, let's start off really simply. What is impact? DARE 2.0. DARE 2.0. And so was this created by the Lee Summit Police Department, or is this a national program? Impact was created by by Lee Summit Police Department, and we actually worked with community stakeholders to find out what topics of interest were most important to our community here in Lee Summit, and then we custom-tailored curriculum specifically for our students. Great, and um, we are in the middle of Red Ribbon Week, and so uh, I think that a lot of um, our students and our parents probably remember Red Ribbon Week when they went to school, but um, give me the basics. Like, what is Red Ribbon Week? Where did it start? So it actually started as a grassroots effort back in 1985. A DEA agent named Enrique Kiki Camarena was killed in the line of duty, and he was actually working on a major drug investigation where he was just getting ready to bust um, one of the Mexican drug cartels, and they actually kidnapped him and killed him before that information could come to light. So in the wake of his death, his family and friends decided to wear red ribbons to raise awareness, not just for remembering Agent Camarena, but we are also making a pledge to live that healthy, drug-free lifestyle, as well as learn more about the dangerous effects of drugs and alcohol. And you two are at which schools? I'm at Pleasantly Middle School, so I have all the elementary schools that feed into PLMS. Okay. I'm at Summit Lakes Middle School, and the same, I have the feeder schools, Hawthorne Hill, Greenwood, Trail Ridge, um, Summit Point. So out and about, do you get approached by elementary students from those respective schools? They recognize you? It's awesome. Yeah, you see them out, see them at church, World of Fun, just various things. And Mm -hmm. I saw you. So I got to make sure I'm not speeding in my car because they'll call me out on it. Of course, as they should. <laughs> um, so um, the parents of these kids, what what kind of messages would you share with them um, about the messages that you're giving their kids during Red Ribbon Week? Like what are some things that maybe that they could talk about at home that would supplement the things that you're talking about? Yeah, that's a good question. Day? I think it's uh, the heart of this. I think um, what... Officer Glover has taught me and what studies have shown is the largest predictor for addiction is age at first use. And that means when um, a young child uses drugs for the first time, that's an indicator that they're possibly going to be addicted to that drug for life. And as we know, drug addiction is uh, um, a struggle. It's a a bondage that uh, some people are never able to get out of. Um, And with that said, it's important that the parents have these conversations with the kids because, um, and it should be early and often because there's a, a high percentage of when you of children that don't do drugs because of their parents' stance on it. 
I think that a, a lot of parents might find that really daunting. Like you guys go through trainings all the time, but what would you tell parents who feel like really intimidated and don't know how to like approach maybe their second grader, even in, as an introductory conversation about just the dangers of something like this? Well, I think it's important for parents to do their own research, and there's a lot of information online that supports um, all sorts of um, ideologies and views of drug use. So it's really important to do their own research and um, find out what some of the newer trends are. And of course, we can always help with that and answer any questions that parents might have. But drug information does change and it changes quickly. So if they're going to have a conversation with their kids, which we highly encourage, we really want to make sure that they're giving them the most up-to-date information and that they know about the products themselves. For example, marijuana was recently legalized in Missouri. So anybody over the age of 21 who wants to use recreationally can legally do so. And I think a lot of parents have some misperceptions about marijuana because it has changed drastically over the last 10 to 15 years. So um, a lot of times parents don't understand that it's not Woodstock weed anymore, which is a nickname that it was often given back in the day, um, back when parents were maybe in high school or middle school themselves. And the natural marijuana plant has about 3% THC. That's the stuff that gets you high. That plant really does not exist anymore. The stuff that's on the market today, the stuff that can be bought at dispensaries today, averages about 25% THC, so it's a much more potent product. And with that have come new health concerns that didn't necessarily exist before. So it's not the same product. So when parents have those conversations, they just need to make sure that they understand what kids are using today isn't what they may be familiar with from the 1990s or even the early 2000s. Um, for example, mostly what we're seeing with young people uh, is using synthetic THC, which is produced in a lab, and that can be up to 99% pure THC. With that 99% potent THC, we're often seeing that being vaped or even placed in edibles. A lot of the edibles on the market today are made to mimic uh, favorite childhood treats. So for example, instead of Pop-Tarts, somebody can buy Pot-Tarts. And the logos, the graphics, the imaging are the exact same as what is produced uh, in the regular grocery store. So kids are familiar with these products. They may even get them confused. Um, another good example is Sour Patch Kids. That's a really popular children's product right now. And you can buy Stoner Patch Kids that look the exact same, have the same logo, the same design, but are infused with high-potency THC. The problem with this high-potency THC is that we're seeing massive overdoses already in our uh, health system here in Missouri. And we knew that was going to happen. That's the same thing that happened in Colorado. They've been legal for about 10 years. So we can definitely look to what they experienced with legalization as an example for what we might see here. In Colorado, they had about 100% increase in childhood overdoses due to marijuana edibles in the very first year of recreational legalization. So our doctors and nurses obviously are prepared to battle that, but it is something that we are seeing within our communities here in Missouri and in the Kansas City area. 
So I think it's important for parents to do that research and to really understand um, when their child is coming home and potentially using marijuana or they're talking about marijuana, they're hearing what other kids are saying about it at school, you have to be educated and know what is actually going on in the market today because it's not what you may have experienced when you were that age. Part of why there's an age limit as well, that might be part of the conversation that a parent would have with their child as well. Like there's an age limit for a reason, developing brains. Is that part of anything that you discuss as well or talk would talk with parents about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so mid-20s is when you're, they've determined that the brain is fully developed and anything uh, that Inter- interferes with that development prior to that um, can have long-lasting effects. And we bring that to light in fifth grade curriculum as well as seventh grade. And I'd like to add a little bit to what Beth said based on your question. Um, and she did very well. Um, it, it, but I see complacency as a big part. I'm a parent of four, and I know sometimes having those conversations, maybe you're not having time or you're, you're doing other things. But um, if you don't teach them, the world will. And uh, we're teaming up with parents and teachers and um, in working this together. Uh, we have our curriculum. We have four impact officers in this dis- district that covers 25 schools. And uh, I would uh, be willing to say we're the most passionate officers on the department. We love our job. We love getting in there and um, establishing relationships and rapport with uh, students and telling them what we know from uh, our time on the road. I've got personally 27 years working um, the patrol. Uh, I worked undercover for six years, SWAT for 17, uh, seen a lot. And uh, so I'm not just bringing theories to the kids, I'm bringing real life examples and with passion behind it. So it's it's a group effort. Mm-hmm. You see it as a partnership between Absolutely. all three entities, for sure. That's right. Yeah, um, I think that another thing that um, parents are concerned about in this day and age are um, opioids and um Fentanyl, and so is that something that you also are introducing in the elementary level when you're talking with kids? Last year, we touched a little bit on it. We've uh, finalized our curriculum for seventh grade, uh, so we have a whole section on opioids in seventh grade. We kind of touch on it a little bit in fifth grade. We're kind of bouncing back if it's uh, appropriate for their level. Um, but we've gotten some questions. Kids are like, oh, it's time to go trick-or-treating. You can't take all the candy and eat the candy. That's one of the, the theories out there because it's safe to eat the candy. And uh, so they're basing it off of the rainbow fentanyl that they've seen and those types of um, some of it's urban legend that p- people are putting fentanyl in there. It is a scare and it's a concern. I personally don't think that trick-or-treating is that big of a deal in the sense you're there with a trusted adult. You're not going to eat an open candy bar, and, you know, it's got to be open before it's uh, pretty much laced with anything. But it's just not a common practice. But that topic does come up. We do talk to them in fifth grade, but we do have that curriculum set aside for seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the social media aspect uh, is something that is being added to the curriculum that you guys are teaching? When we talk with our seventh graders especially, we talk about the link between emotions and drug use or drug misuse. So we are always talking to our students that every decision to use drugs is a decision to either change, enhance, or even blot out an emotion. So once we can learn healthy ways to regulate our emotions, then we can um, maybe move forward and not look to drugs or alcohol to meet that need. That's 
No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I think that falls perfectly into the parent partnership aspect of it is like I know as a parent, like that's something that I work on all the time with my kids is how to regulate emotions. And when you have big feelings, how right. we can address them in a healthy way. And I think that that would be a really great place for parents to start if they're really unsure. Um, that seems to me like a, a really good entry point because that's something that you're dealing, any human is dealing with every day is any kind of emotion, sure. right? And so I think that that's a great place to start. Yeah. And when we talk to them about emotions, we obviously use real life examples for students. So we have several different examples that we use. We also have students um, get the opportunity to do a lot of role plays and skits so they can act out the healthy responses to these high risk, um, very emotional situations that they might find themselves in in middle school and high school. And some of that does center around social media. Um, You know, what could you do if somebody said this about you or acted this way towards you on social media and how does addiction, anxiety, and depression all play a role in social media use? This might be a parent's um, spark, I guess, to maybe start those conversations with their kids. Where's a good place for them to go look for some resources to get that information so that they're fully armed um, with their own information and actual facts? Where's a good place for them to go? Sure. So parents can just Google how to talk to your kids about drugs. And there are several great resources that come out. There are several uh, government organizations as well as nonprofits that all return um, the top 10 results. So that would be uh, a great place to start right now. We're in the process of developing some curriculum for parents. We just haven't been able to do that yet. I'm sure, as you can imagine, four officers, 25 schools, Uh, developing a new curriculum, working with our community partners has been a full-time job in and of itself. But we do have some long-term goals for our program, which include uh, parent guides with easy talking points. And we're hoping to get that completed within the next year, but it is going to take some time. Mm -hmm. And Red Ribbon Week probably has some national resources as well. Yes. So you can go to the DEA's website and they have a, a whole site devoted to Red Ribbon Week. And they have a lot of different activities that you can do as a family, as well as different conversation starters for parents. Some of those conversation starters are even divided up by age group. So it gives you appropriate open-ended questions to ask, whether it's younger elementary, upper elementary, or even middle school or high school. Um, Is there anything that I didn't ask of you or that you were really hoping to touch on before the podcast ends? I think one thing, a good reminder for parents is to be intentional with your students. They look up to you. What you say, what you say and do matters and take advantages of opportunities to discuss drugs and alcohol with them. Because just like Larry said earlier, if you're not discussing it with them, somebody else is. So make sure that you're taking that time. And it might look like a quick conversation in the car, uh, but we always say have those conversations early and often. Okay, Officer Glover, Officer Jones, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sum It Up, an LSR 7 podcast. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. It's a great day to be in Lee Summit. Catch you next time.